This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. You might assume we're both good at presenting to a live audience because of this podcast. But at the end of the day, when we record, it really feels like we're just talking to one another. Presenting information in person in a formal setting to a large audience is something that still makes us really nervous. To prepare for a live speaking event we're hosting together, we turn to our masterclass subscription to not only refine our presentation skills, but to build our confidence in a different kind of public speaking capacity. Between Robin Roberts, Hillary Clinton, and Kevin Hart's expertise, our confidence skyrocketed. This year, learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Don't just talk about improving. Masterclass helps you actually do it. Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors. So whether you want to master negotiate with Chris Voss, think like a boss with Martha Stewart, or plan your dream wedding with celebrity event planner Mindy Wise, Masterclass has you covered. There are over 200 classes to pick from with new classes added every month, like our latest aha moments from Robin Roberts' effective and authentic communication class that we watched before our event presentation. She taught us how to establish a genuine connection with the audience from the start. I'll always be a little nervous before presenting, but Masterclass prepared us in a way that dialed my nerves down and gave me tools to ground myself. Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so there's no risk. And right now, our listeners get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks. Get 50% off right now at masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks. Masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks. Welcome to Shrink Chicks. I'm Emily Beerley. And I'm Jennifer Chaikin. And we're licensed marriage and family therapists and owners of the therapy group. We're on a mission to make therapy and therapeutic topics more relatable and accessible. So stay tuned because in order to grow yourself, you gotta know yourself. Welcome to today's episode of Shrink Chicks. Welcome to Shrink Chicks. Good to see you, Em. Hey, Jen. How are you? I'm doing well. You know, before we got on, Emily was like, I have to eat lunch real quick. She literally ate her lunch in like three minutes. <laughs> you think it was three minutes? It was so quick. It was, I only, I had a poke bowl and I only had half the poke bowl because I was like, you know, like, you ever like have a meal and you want to like stretch it out a little bit? You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I'm yeah. like, oh, God, this feels good, but I'm like satisfied enough right now and I would like to have this in two hours. I see. I was so, like, holy shit. So I figured, I was like, I'm going to eat enough until satisfaction, right. until satisfied. Mm-hmm. Healthy way to eat, y'all. Yep. And then also would happily have a little bit more when we're done recording. And, I love a spicy tuna poke bowl. Oh, uh, so good. Also, you just like couldn't wait to talk to me, you know? That's probably what the real answer was. <laughs> I was like, you know what? You have to record. I'm so excited. So excited. Yeah. About this really uplifting topic today. (laughs) Complicated (laughs) relationships with your parents. (laughs) You know what I'd love to do? Talk about our fucked relationships with our parents. Right. Right. Happy Thursday. Oh, you're listening to this on a Monday. Happy Monday. Happy Monday. (laughs) Let's talk about fucked up dysfunction. Okay, but we have, you know, we had all these amazing ideas about intros and here's the intro. Did you? I wanted to tell this story on a episode we recorded a few weeks ago and you made me delete it (laughs) i went to save it for the podcast long form content you know can i do it now yes you can do it okay so a few weeks ago 
we're I'm on we're on a FaceTime call with Jen and Nikki. If you're a new listener, Nikki's our amazing producer and the head of operations and therapy group. She's the backbone of everything. And Jen has this like really, I mean, it looked tired, a tired stuffed animal. And I was like, wow, I didn't know that you had a lovey. I've never seen you have a lovey before. And I feel like, because you, everyone knows those girls that are still like hanging on to one strand of their yeah. baby blanket. Yeah. And, but those people usually feel very connected. And like, I feel like I would have known that about you if I knew that you had a lovey. Because the truth is, I'm not connected to it. You know, I, I've spent 20 years of my life without <laughs> it. Um, and then when my parents sold their house, my husband, who's a realtor, like found it and brought it back to me. And so now, now, now he's back. And it's a bunny. It's a His bunny. His name is Carrie. And, I, you know, I've recently been showing him off, you know, in our FaceTimes because I didn't realize he was like a, <laughs> like a hidden secret. And everyone's telling me how creepy he is. <laughs> oh, please put a photo up. He's the creepiest looking really fucking creepy. thing I've seen in my life. This bunny is not, it has some demon thoughts is all I'm saying. But this is the best part. So I'm looking at this thing and I'm like, when was the last time that was washed? And Jed's like, probably never. And if you know Nikki, the idea of something not being washed ever. <laughs> Nikki's face on the FaceTime is like, shocked shocked she wanted to shocked and disgusted disgusted um i said you know what if his arms fall off (laughs) yeah i mean i get that that's a legit concern this thing is 35 years old but so you so it was a part of your life for the first 15 years of your life yes it was a part of my life and then i you know i left my childhood bedroom um and then i forgot about him you know i just wasn't attached to him at all and so now he's back and he lives you know he lives with me and he apparently needs to be washed showered i can't believe louie doesn't hump the shit out of him i've never seen a dog hump the way jen's dog humps my dog humps (laughs) not everything 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 he especially likes humping things when other people are over oh showing off yeah he really likes to show off I mean, every time I've been with this dog, he's humping something. Yeah, I think he's, like, excited. So, anyway, no. I also feel like he does significant foreplay, though. Like, it seems like this is, like, a full thing he does. Yeah, yeah. He, like, chats chats the stuffed animal up. (laughs) (laughs) He, like, courts them first. (laughs) So, I'm, like, surprised that he hasn't gone after Carrie. And then he he bites their nose and starts humping. It's aggressive. It's uh, it's a little aggressive. No, it's kind of kind of flirty. (laughs) Yeah, well. It's a little kinky. I enjoy it. Um, I did not have a lovey growing up. I said you had a ham. <laughs> <laughs> you had a honey baked ham. It's like not count. <laughs> what episode do we talk about that? What if people don't know? And oh, you just made this oh my story God. about okay. my ham. I'm sorry. If you don't know the story, please, <laughs> Emily, tell the greatest story that there ever was. <laughs> It feels important to understand that the first time Jen and I ever met, I this story, we, okay, it was like an icebreaker thing. And someone, so I got the icebreaker of like, tell us something funny about your childhood. And I was like, I used to play with the honey baked ham. So when I was in elementary school, probably too old to be playing with dolls, my dad owned a company and somebody sent him a honey baked ham for Christmas. And this honey baked ham just like lived in the fridge or the freezer. I'm not sure. I, maybe the, I don't really know if it was a frozen ham or what. I can't remember that. I have to ask my mom now. And 
at some point over the next few months, I discovered this ham and I realized that it fit perfectly into American Girl doll clothes. The best. And so me and a neighborhood friend of mine used to dress up the ham. His name was Hambino. And we dressed the ham up in American Girl doll clothing and then walked it around the neighborhood every day. And then at night I had to return to the fridge. (laughs) Thank God. (laughs) Thank God. And then at some point, sausage links got added in. And Wait, we named I'm those, sorry, what? <laughs> yeah, and we you named didn't... those. We named those Phil and Lil, like the because Rugrats, you know, like. Wait, did, were you dressing up the sausage links too? I don't think they fit into the clothes. Yeah. No, probably not. It was just Hambino that fit. And I'm not kidding. Like if it was raining, we'd put like the American Girl doll like rain outfit of on course. it and take did it, it have out. A bed? Like, did it have like the American? Oh Girl yeah, doll no, bed? no. This yeah. was like a. This was like a an ongoing. <laughs> thing that like i think started because we're like ha ha ha, this is so funny and then like we became very attached to him you know and at some point i'm pretty sure my mom just threw him away i should check in with that um but yeah i played can i can i ask you when your mom threw him away like how did you feel about it how are you i feel like we got over it i feel like it was like a (laughs) short-lived really intense romance I don't know. Maybe I did. I feel like did this you is what eat? happened. Did you I eat like, Hambino? Oh, <laughs> that thing would have been so bad. I don't know who those like those things are probably like so like processed or something. But you know what? Actually, now I'm thinking about. I feel like my mom. We stopped playing with it. Yeah. And then my mom threw it out. And like a month later, we went to look for it. And I was like, "You threw out Hambino." And I feel like I had like legit tears. Yeah, that's this upsetting. was like a whole thing. That is upsetting. And you know what? <laughs> I'm going to get you a Hambino for your birthday. <laughs> I'm going to dress it up. The funny part is, is that like, you know, like in my house, I host like, you know, in our family, everyone hosts a different holiday and I host Easter. So I get a honey baked ham and I was like adamant <laughs> that I wanted Easter because of the ham. When everyone goes to sleep, Emily probably opens her fridge and like holds Hambino. And she's like, Hambino, <laughs> I I'm like, missed you. Are you the great ancestor of Hambino? That's probably, I mean, like, it must be some reason I'm so drawn to hosting this event with Ham. It has to be, right? And you didn't I know. Guess wow, so. we really just discovered some, some We didn't depth. realize that's some deep thing. So uh, that's the story of Hambino. So I did not have a lovey. I had a honey-baked ham, um, like a not normal person. I had such a good idea for a memoir today, didn't I? I said, yes. I'm going to write a, a memoir. That's called Stop Talking, the um my stories of ADHD, unbridled self-expression, and times when I should have shut the fuck up. And probably telling the story about this ham on a podcast. <laughs> Definitely not one of those times. You should always talk about Hambino. Let his name live on. <laughs> Forever. Should I get a Hambino tattoo? One million. <laughs> I'll get a Hambino tattoo with you. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's funny because like I don't really think about this. And then when I tell the story, I'm like, oh, this was such a weird thing for a kid to do. And that is when Emily's parents checked her into residential treatment. <laughs> Just kidding. Like, I feel like it's like it's this thing I forget about that I tell the story. And I'm like, why would my parents let me play with like me? We should we should we should bring them on. You should ask them, right? Have and you my, asked like, them? My mom says, like, every time I ask, like, weird shit, like, I used to play in the sewage retention pond, like, every day after school. We called it the pit in my neighborhood. And, like, <laughs> and, like I'm, like, it was, like, a water retention pond. Like, one time, a friend of mine dropped my Beanie Baby directly through a grate at the bus stop. Which one? Which Beanie Baby? Um, the platypus. The purple platypus. Oh, yeah. And I kid you not, one week later, 
Platty came on out in the sewage retention ponds. He probably wasn't looking so good. <laughs> he was not looking good. I mean, but he, he is came a, back. He is a platypus, right? Like he can, yeah, he can handle it. Can. So I feel like I had like when I think back to my childhood, I'm like, wow, I was allowed to do a lot of really weird things. And yeah. I like repeatedly asked my mom about this. And what you know what she always says is, Emily, you were impossible to say no to as a child. So I ended up just letting you do whatever you want. I could see that. Honestly. I could totally see that. <laughs> I don't know if that's like the best parenting technique. I feel like there's lots of stuff somebody definitely should have They're said definitely no. putting boundaries. <laughs> but that but ham think... back in the fridge, for one. <laughs> don't play with processed Stop dressing, meat. Stop dressing up that ham and sleeping with it. <laughs> I'm just picturing you cuddling a honey baked ham. No, I mean, I was like, we would carry it around, but like mainly it was in the stroller because like it got kind of heavy after a while. I'm sure. It's like growing molds. It was like growing arms. It must have just been like pure salt. Like I have no idea how this thing lasted for as long as it did. You like go to the grocery store, you look at like the the, the uh, glass case and you're like, Empty, no. I just cry. cry. I stand outside the honey baked um, ham company. Yeah. I don't know how this, this, I don't know how this intro could ever be tied into the episode. Though. No, it can. It can. Right. Like, because, because you were Hambino's mom. <laughs> Very emotionally immature. You were emotionally enmeshed with Hambino when Hambino... It- was upset I, you were upset but i also will say though the part of the dressing up the american girl dolls was that um when i was little <laughs> and we would go to the beach we would always pick like one of the larger items to like all win our tickets for for the week oh, and yeah. one year at the beach the avalon boardwalk there was a flamingo mailbox that had like the head that came out and the arms and the legs and it was like a full you know when you like see those ridiculous mailboxes and we were all like oh we're gonna get that mailbox by the end of the week my parents must have spent so much money on this like like they could have easily bought it was this a flamingo mailbox. mailbox and we brought it home and my mom would dress it up every day and then one time teenagers came you know how teenagers would like take baseball bats and fuck up the did that not happen in your neighborhood no it did I'm, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I literally have the same story okay so they came and they beat the shit out of Flo the Flamingo and my mom <laughs> bought an American Girl doll um, like nurse injury thing and put like <laughs> put, like, like the a, cast I had that cast. too <laughs> and the mailman came up to the front door and was like I want to tell you how much joy I get out of your flamingo Aww. every day and how mad and sad I am about this situation wow <laughs> so I yeah. feel like my mom demonstrated me dressing up a lot of shit for absolutely some absolutely it's not even a question that it made me think of in our neighborhood there was a golf ball mailbox and people were pissed Oh, <laughs> so someone. Oh, maybe people were pissed off about my friend. I think that's they, what no, they did. I don't know, but I think someone put dynamite in it and blew it no. up. <laughs> what? I don't know. People get angry about the neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> we said that. Oh my gosh, great podcast recommendation is called Normal Gossip, and it's just normal neighborhood gossip. Mm-hmm. But I'm telling you, the amount of like random bullshit that starts in a neighborhood over a property line in the suburbs. Don't fuck with someone's property line. People will kill over a property line. Absolutely. <laughs> I really 
fun fact about me that you might not know is that if I let my hair dry natural, it is a frizzball mess, which is one of the many reasons I absolutely love pros. I truly never thought that I would be able to embrace my natural hair texture. Ever since I switched to a custom hair routine with pros, I've noticed so many benefits. Less frizzy hair, yes, but beyond that too. My hair is shinier, healthier, and so much more manageable. Filming the podcast every week makes checking out my hair unavoidable, and I have felt so much more confident on camera thanks to pros. Pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do. The custom shampoo and conditioner combo, plus the hydrating leave-in conditioner and hair oil keeps the frizz at bay. It also makes for the smoothest blowout. People keep asking me if I got my hair cut or went to the salon, which is of course the highest compliment. Pros isn't just better for you. It's better for the planet. They're certified B Corp cruelty free and the first and only carbon neutral custom beauty brand. They even have a review and refine tool, which learns from my feedback and adjusts my formula to keep up with the seasons and changes in my life. I use this feature when I moved to my temporary house in New Jersey, back to my house house post construction project in Pennsylvania. Environmental factors like water source is something that pros takes into consideration with their customization. So it was very cool that I had the ability to update my location. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin, and they're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash shrinkchicks. So you get a free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com slash shrinkchicks. That's P-R-O-S-E.com slash shrinkchicks. I am thrilled that the weather is finally warming up here in Philly. I went to switch out my closet the other day from my fall winter wear to my spring summer wear and noticed that I very much needed a refresh. So thank goodness for Quince that allows me to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. Now I have a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year. I refresh my closet with the high-waisted linen shorts that come in multiple colors and patterns, the comfiest cotton tees, and my latest favorite, the smocked mini dress. And don't miss out on the accessories. Quince has the coolest sunglasses and 14 karat gold jewelry to complete any look. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, making me feel even better about my purchases. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash shrinkchicks for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash shrinkchicks to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash shrinkchicks. So back to me being emotionally immature parents, you know, of her ham. And today's episode of complicated relationship with two parents where they let you play with a ham. I'm so, um, I'm so sorry for that, that really long ass intro because we do have so many questions for this. This may have to be a two parter or something. Um, so yeah, emotionally immature parents enmeshment. And so one of the questions we got was what is enmeshment? And we did a whole episode on this, but you know, it's worth repeating. So uh, someone in an enmeshed relationship is overly connected and needs to meet the needs of other people so badly that they lose touch with their own needs, their own goals, their own desires. And three characteristics of enmeshed relationships are blurred boundaries, lack of independence, and emotional fusion. And Emily can relate to this with her hand. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
I think it's it's common and it's funny. Somebody asked this important question, which I want to talk about, which is somebody said, quote unquote, family is everything. Is this the sign of a close knit family or an enmeshed family? It's interesting because there's such a cultural component to this as well. The culturally, some blood families are incredibly close, and this is the culture around it. And we're not talking about people that necessarily spend all this time together or live together. You can have a multi-generational um, household and people not be a mesh. What we're talking about is the emotional enmeshment. So, like, it's not like you can spend a lot of time with your family and not have an enmeshed family. Right. And that's what can be confusing. It's not like it's about people being super close, but if you're, if you, one of your parents is having a bad day and then you change everything to deal with it or it gives you a bad day or everything that they do predicts what you're going to do, that's what we're going to look for for enmeshment. Exactly. So like blurred boundaries, for example, is the lack of clearly defined boundaries between individuals. So it occurs when personal identities and boundaries become intertwined and it results in a loss of autonomy for each person involved. So like decision making, emotional experiences and even personal goals become fused and it blurs the distinction between the individuals. So like as we're talking about in an enmeshed parent child relationship, the parent may struggle to differentiate their own desires from the desires of the child. And so this can manifest an excessive reliance on the child for emotional support and a tendency to base decisions solely on the child's preferences and completely disregarding their own needs. And I think there was a question about this that made me think about this too. So my mother praises me for being her therapist to discuss her problems. So... Role confusion. This is a perfect example of blurred boundaries. That as the child, it is not your job to take care of your parents' emotional needs. There was another person who said... How do I let my parents know something like that? Something like they're trying to be my friend, mm. right? How do I let them know that they're not my friend? And so I think this is where your parents may be coming into a relationship with you and have started a relationship with you where their boundaries are very skewed because their boundaries with their parents were very skewed, right? That's how they learned to parent. Where as an adult, you get to decide, well, what boundaries do I want to put in place with my parents to redefine what this looks like in our relationship? Mm -hmm. So you get to say to your mom, who maybe is using you as her therapist, if she's saying, thank you so much for being my therapist, you can say, you know what, mom, I completely understand you're going through some uh, a really tough time. As your child, it puts a lot on me to take all of that on. So I think it would be really beneficial for you to talk to an actual therapist. It's not my job to take care of your emotional needs. Yeah. So it, then you take on the responsibility of saying, as an adult, I get to set new boundaries and see what works best for me because it isn't your job to take care of your, your parents' emotional needs. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Let's start with this one. I grew up in a mesh household with very emotionally immature parents who don't respect boundaries and don't react well to suggesting talking to someone. And we have quite a lot of these questions about how do I get them to talk to someone else that's not me? <laughs> right? A lot of variations of the same question of my parents use me as the therapist or talk about each other to me. And so basically what people are saying is how do I redirect this role here? And you might have to start by setting boundaries, uncomfortable boundaries, right? So one is also not interacting. And the other thing is don't do it back. If 
you also talk about the other parents, your parents, if you also do this stuff, you have to set the boundary and you have to have hard boundaries around this, right? And what those might look like is, I love that you share parts of your life with me and it can feel very overwhelming for me when you do. I cannot be that person for you. Is there other parts of our lives that we can share together? And you know what it makes me think of? You know the saying, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. <laughs> is that a song? Is that a song? <laughs> Third Eye Blind? Is that a Third Eye Blind song? <laughs> Something. You don't have to go, go home, but, but you, you can't, can't stay Is it Third Eye Blind? I don't know. Somebody's going to tell me that that's no, wrong. No. It probably is wrong. Maybe Lenny Kravitz. Semi- <laughs> I don't know. It's the fucking 90s, okay? Um, <laughs> um, but the reason why it makes me think of that is because the question is, right, if they don't want to talk to, they don't want to talk to a therapist, you might say, okay, listen, I understand you don't want to talk to a therapist, but you can't talk to me. Yeah. Right? So you have to find someone else. You have to find someone else. And it's not me. And this is the thing, and that's something that you should keep in mind in general. We've, we've talked about this before in terms of like fertility and stuff, right? You have somebody, you're struggling with infertility, and then you have someone who's pregnant who's talking negatively about being pregnant, right? You're allowed to set the boundary of like, I understand you're struggling, it's valid you're struggling, and I am not the right person. I cannot be that person for you. Right. I'm going to validate what you're experiencing and I'm going to put a hard boundary. And people might get butthurt. This is the other thing. I have to remember, you're going to do this stuff with your parents. You're going to set these boundaries. They're, they're not going to be happy about it. Nobody's like, well, thank you so much for setting this boundary. I feel great now because people feel shame. They feel embarrassed. They feel rejected. They feel abandoned. You know, all these different stuff comes up from our interjects. And so you still have to keep doing it, though, just because somebody gets upset now. But if you were raised in a mesh family, the idea of upsetting your parents may be so horrific that it keeps you paralyzed. Yeah. And then and then sometimes there's a fear of like, well, what's the reaction going to be if I do this? Right. And maybe it is the case that like mom isolate, you know, she she gets cold. She doesn't talk to you. Or maybe it is the case that they have a strong reaction. And so just because they have an unfavorable reaction to your boundaries does not mean that you should not have set them. And that's the thing is sometimes you have to push past the discomfort of what their reaction is going to be in order to fully take care of yourself. And that is how we're breaking this cycle of enmeshment in your familial relationships is that if you are to respond to their reaction in a way where you say, okay, never mind, I shouldn't have set that boundary, you're just reinforcing the enmeshment again to say, okay, well, then I have to go and take care of your emotions. Your emotions are more important than mine. What you need is more important than what my needs are. And then the boundaries are blurred again. So part of this is sitting with the discomfort of how this person is going to react to you setting these boundaries. And we talk about this all the time. You might have to set the boundary over and over and over and over again. And what that means is you are dealing with that uncomfortable reaction over and over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. And so we don't want to discount the fact that that is hard, right? Like it's not easy to sit with someone having such a strong, someone you care about, someone you have a relationship with, um, having such a strong emotional reaction to you. And so your job then is to hold on to yourself in those moments, right? So if mom ices you out and she's no longer talking to you, for you to to hold on to yourself and say, this is more about mom than it is yeah. about me, right? This is hard for her. It is still not my job to take care of her emotions. Yep. 
My mom wants me to need her. And when I do, she never shows up for me. How do I confront? A lot of our questions that we had for this episode was about getting other people to change, getting other people to hear you, to take you seriously, to see what you're saying. And I think that that we have this idea that if a therapist tells us the perfect way to say it, the perfect way to do it, other people are going to adjust. And it's simply not true. Sometimes you can say it textbook perfectly and people are still who they fucking are. So this idea of confronting, I think you can say something along the lines of, hey, I'm getting a lot of mixed messages here. There's a concept that we've also talked about before called double binds. The example we usually use to explain double bind is um, you go to give somebody a hug, their body flinches, so you pull back, and then the person says to you, what, you don't want to hug me? Right? So that's a double bind. I, I do this thing. You know that I'm not into it. You can feel my fucking energy, and then I'm going to go after you, you for adjusting. You can't win. You cannot fucking win with a double bind. And so I think that's the thing is that I wonder if your mom wants to be wanted because that feels good, but isn't able or capable of showing up for you in the ways that you need. Mm. And it makes, you know, it makes me think for this person, right? Was that what the parent-child relationship dynamic looked like when she was a child? Where the expectation for mom with her mother was that she is supposed to need her mom, right? And that needing her mom isn't really about her, right? It's about the mom and the mom wanting to feel needed, right? That that is more about the mom than it is about the child and the mom wanting to, to fulfill something for them. And I think that can also, you know, be a hard adjustment. I'm not a parent, Em, so you could chime in on this. But I can imagine that's a hard adjustment to go from, you know, the transition of your child really does need you for everything. Your child really depends on you, right? It becomes in ways part of your identity to be, I'm giving to this child, I'm taking care of this child. And then there's a transition of the child no longer needs you in the ways that they once needed you, right? So part of you is is kind of growing into like taking care of this child. And then the child in healthy development, right, grows up and no longer depends on you in the same way. Yeah. That is a transition that mothers also have to make. And so sometimes it is difficult for mothers to make that transition too as their, as their child is transitioning. Yeah. And so this thing is, I think you can confront it. And I think the first question you have to ask yourself is, what is best for me? Right? If my mom is not capable of doing some stuff, if I keep putting myself in a vulnerable space and I keep getting hurt over and over and over again, what do I have to do to protect myself? And if that's confronting a conversation, that's fabulous. I love that for you. And sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's self-protection and getting our needs met elsewhere. And then needing your mom the ways that she's capable of, right? So maybe that means she's capable of um, helping you unpack when you move, but not hearing you in your emotions and sad. And so to know what the other person's capable of and then be able to adjust to that. I love that example that you just gave because I think too, so many times where we might think, oh, my parent can't show up for me in this way. 
and we keep trying, right? So if you use the example of my parent can't show up for me emotionally when I'm struggling with something, but every time I struggle with something, I still call my parent hoping that they're going to give that to me. And every time I'm disappointed. So at what point do you accept that my parent does not have the capability of giving to me in this way? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so what do they have the capacity for? How can I lean on them? What does that look like? Yeah. Because it might not be what you expect it to be in your relationship with them. And so adjusting those expectations in your relationship is also going to be really essential. And I think looking also at like some of the gel, I mean, we, you know, we released the episode on jealousy and envy and this is part of that, right? So like maybe I see my roommate calling my parent, her parents and her parent uh, making them feel better and comforting them. But my parent isn't able to do that. But when they drop me off in my apartment or something, they can help me bring the, the groceries upstairs. So people often help you and support you in the way they know how, which is not necessarily the way you need. Yeah. But do you want to accept that part and then adjust your expectation and get your needs met elsewhere for the other parts? Yes. And right. When you focus on, oh, well, this person's parent gives this to them. And so I'm going to keep trying. I'm going to keep trying to push my parent into that role. Yeah. Right. And you can't get them there because they're different. Your parent and your friend's parent are different people. Yep. Right. Different experiences. And so it goes into this question of, how to not fall into old patterns and accept who they are and grieve who they are not. Part of this, and a part of a lot of what we talk about, grief comes up so much in our episodes, is grieving the idea of who you want your parent to be. And it's possible that they were able to fulfill certain needs for you at a certain point of time in your life. And at a different point of time in your life, they are unable to give that to you in the same way or a different point of time in their life, right? Where some, maybe something else is going on for them. And so we also, we're also talking about this constant state of flux and adjustment throughout time and what that looks like and how your boundaries might need to change and adjust. And this also goes back to one of the reasons why we do three generations of a genogram or family tree work, because we have to understand our parents as people. Who is my parent? What is the situation, right? If I have a parent that is first generation and then I grew up very Americanized, we're going to be very different. And maybe some of the stuff I see my friends having with their parents that weren't um, first generation or weren't immigrants and I feel jealous of, maybe my parent isn't capable of that, but capable of other ways that they did things. And so I think that's how do I, when they say this thing of, okay, right, so we're talking about how to not follow old patterns and accept who they are. Part of accept who they are is who are they? Do I know who my parent is? Do I know what they've been through? Do I know their experience? Can I understand them? Can I think back on data, not just my feelings around them? What's the data and facts of my parents, right? And then falling into old patterns, what are the old patterns? How did we fall into them before? What worked about some of that? What didn't work? And then if I'm to actually write it out and say, here's what I need to do next time. So giving yourself a plan. If I want to feel prepared about something, I'm going to understand, hey, so next time my mom calls me last minute, asks her to come pick her up or ask me to give her money or any of these things, what's my pre-done response? I do this a lot with clients where I have them write out pre-done text message response for ongoing difficult relationships that they can copy and paste. Mm -hmm. And you might have to send that response multiple times. 
But, but what they do have to do is they don't have to overthink in that moment. In that right. moment, they don't have to overthink about how they could hurt someone else or someone that they get upset. All they do is copy and paste. And anything that comes after, we can't control. And you're creating the response at a time in which you're not emotionally reactive, which I think yes. is really important, right? Because when that fear-based response comes in of how are they going to react? How's this person going to feel, right? That is coming from an old pattern of enmeshment with that parent. Mm-hmm. And you are going to want to fall back into that old pattern because that is what feels comfortable for you in that relationship. And so to have that pre-done response, something you created intentionally to build more boundaries in your relationship so that you feel like you can take care of yourself in that relationship is so important. I love this question, too, that I wanted to bring up. My parents are good, kind people. Why do I get so frustrated around them? Because they're your parents. They're your parents. <laughs> because anytime we're around our parents, we fall back into being a 14-year-old again. Yes. That's why. Because you can love your parents and know them and family is fucking hard and parents are hard, right? And so I think what you would also say is, if I give my parents the benefit of the doubt and I know who they are, I know they're good, kind people... What about this is so frustrating for me? What's my shit around this? Why am I letting it activate me so much? Yes. What's my part here? And, you know, we t- we're talking about emotionally immature parents, right? We're talking about enmeshment. And I want to reiterate that all of the, you can have a family that's enmeshed or, People who are very well-intentioned, your parents are very well-intentioned, but boundaries can still be blurred and it's not a, it's not a defect in anyone. It's just a matter of like what has been passed down generations, the intergenerational transmission process, as we call it. So to know that like your parents are still good, kind people and enmeshment can still be present. Yeah. And is your frustration telling you that maybe you do need more boundaries and need to express them in a way that feels more connected to your adult self, right? Sometimes frustration when it's coming up around our parents when we're with them, it almost, as we're saying, takes us back to this kind of regression, childhood, teenager self. And we respond to them in the ways that maybe we responded to them when we were teenagers. And that might come out as frustration. So I, the question I would want to ask is, as we're saying, get underneath the frustration. Where is that coming from you? Do you need different boundaries? And if so, how do you want to express those boundaries as an adult? Because the way in which you are expressing them as a teenager are probably very different and don't align with who you are now. I just have to answer this question really quick. How to set boundaries without guilt with parents who don't set boundaries themselves? Just set the boundaries with the guilt. Yeah, yeah. It's not a thing. It's still not that thing's not going to be a thing. I'm not going to give you some magic way to do this that you don't feel any fucking feelings around this. If you're setting boundaries, if it's a new experience, when you have parents that don't have them or respect them, you're going to feel uncomfortable. Do it and feel it at the same time. Yes. The more that you do it and come out the other side slowly, slowly, (laughs) after time one million. Is not going to feel as difficult. So we do things with guilt, with fear, with anxiety. You just keep going. The thing I also want to mention about boundaries in general and and enmeshment and what this looks like in your relationship is what is the 
way in which not setting boundaries is affecting you. How is that playing out in your daily life? And if you're listening to this, you might want to take a pause and think about how how is this affecting me to not set these boundaries? It might be coming up through anxiety. You might have a ton of anxiety. Like, I'm so worried about how this other person's going to feel if I do this, right? A lot of self-consciousness might be coming up, right? I have to make sure that this person is happy. I have to take care of this person. If you are thinking so much about the emotions and feelings of other people, and you're not at all thinking about the emotions and feelings of yourself, it might cause you a ton of emotional turmoil and anxiety because you are trying to control emotions that are completely out of your control. Other people's emotions are not in your control. And so I want you to take a pause and take note of how not setting these boundaries might be affecting you. Is it coming out in your other relationships, right? So if you're you're in an enmeshed relationship with a parent, Is it transitioning into an enmeshed relationship with a partner or a child? And so I want you to really take note of how not setting these boundaries might be affecting you because sometimes we love to take the easier way out and the easier way out is to not set these boundaries and to, you know, keep keep on trucking (laughs) as things have been. But if you're recognizing the cost to you and the way in which it's affecting you, it will allow you to set these boundaries despite the fact that it will be uncomfortable to do so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wait, let's do one final question that I, I want to answer and then we're going to do with Dear Emma Jen. Perfect. Um, somebody wrote in, I have a narcissistic mother-in-law and we're go- we have gone no contact, but the siblings and family think that we're wrong. How do we approach? Let them think you're wrong. You don't, doesn't matter. You make a decision. You don't need everyone to approve of it for you to do it. If it's the right decision for you, that's the decision. And then you can say to those people, I'm really sorry that um, this is upsetting for you. I'm really sorry that this is activating for you. I'm really sorry that you feel like you're in the middle of this. I'm really sorry that you don't agree with this. And this is the decision that we have made. I hope we, you and me, can still have a relationship. It's a perfect example of how you're allowed to have your feelings about something And other people in the family are allowed to have different feelings about something, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. Enmeshment comes when no one is allowed to have their own thoughts, opinions, feelings, and boundaries are blurred. And so you're very much allowed to make this decision to have these feelings and have that be separate and different from other people's feelings in the family. You want to get to Dear Em and Jen? Let's do it. Dear Em and Jen. I'm the only daughter in my family with four older brothers, and since my dad passed away four years ago, my mom leans heavily on me to vent to, to be sat around, talk about my dad being gone, etc. I feel obligated to be there for her and feel guilty saying no because she's my only surviving parent, and I'd give anything for one more phone call from my dad. But some days, I just don't have the capacity to be her only outlet. She has no car, no friends, no life of her own, etc., having trouble letting go of the guilt I feel when I don't want to talk every day. Mm. Wow. Yeah. So first want to say, I'm so sorry for the loss of your father. When you lose someone in your family, the whole family dynamic transitions, right? There's so much grieving that happens and everyone is grieving in their own way. 
Of course, your mom is struggling with her own grief, but it sounds like her grieving and leaning on you also denies you the ability to have your own feelings and your own grief around this. And you are also grieving and you are entitled to grieve too. And so I think there is a way to talk to mom and say, mom, I love you so much. I know this is so hard. It's been so hard without dad. I am also grieving and I know you're grieving. Is there any other support that I can help you get around this? Because you should not do this alone. And I don't know how to give you all of the support that you need. I have a few thoughts. My first thought is I think this experience is very, very common after a death of a parent, which is one, I want to be there for my surviving parent to honor my parent who is deceased, right? It's like a way that we show honor and respect. And two, when I lose someone, I hold on extra tight to who is still here. And so probably you lost your father and you held on so tight to your mom. And I completely understand why. And you can have a relationship with someone without holding on for dear life. The other thing I want to bring up, if we want to look into an active or an action-oriented one, which is that you have four older brothers. Call all of those older brothers up and say, I need your help. I need your help to check in on mom more. I need your help to um, start taking her out on Tuesday nights for dinner. I need your help in A, B, and C ways. Can you help me do that? You are not the only child here. You're just the only girl. Call in siblings. Ask for help when you need it. And you need help. And that is A-okay. That's it. That's our episode. That's it for today's episode. If you enjoyed today's episode of Shrink Chicks, we always ask you to rate, review, subscribe, follow an Apple podcast. Please give us five stars. Um, you can follow us at Shrink Chicks or the therapy group if you're interested in being matched with a clinician. We would love to help you get into your therapeutic journey or make a switch in the one that you're already doing. You can check us out at therapygroup.com. The wonderful Nikki, famous Nikki herself, would probably be the one that you talk to. Thank you for listening to Shrink Chicks. We are always honored that you spend your day with us. Um, we will see you next week. And don't forget that to grow yourself, you got to know yourself. <laughs>